is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios. And it's playoff time, GB. We're recapping week 11, I guess it would be. Week 11 in high school football here in the Southern Section. Recapping, breaking down the games that transpired from last Friday. Top performers. We got some recruiting news on the way. And uh, we're going to briefly look at a tough role for a league champion that wasn't done any favors by the CIF committee when they broke off these playoff pairings. I feel for a group down there in the San Gabriel Valley, but we'll get to that as we move forward. Greg Biggins, my partner and co-host on the show. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. How are you, Keith? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to today's show. We got a lot of things to talk about, uh, but before we get to any of that, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We're going to hit recruiting. What you got for us? Yeah, pretty light week. A couple of commitments, not a lot on the trip report. Um, just not many guys taking visits this past weekend, but uh, probably the newest commitment happened on Monday with Chad Johnson Jr., Son of the great Chan Johnson, Ocho Cinco, Cincinnati Bengal, Oregon State. He went ahead and, and broke a lot of hearts in Corvallis by committing to Arizona State. And ASU had actually been doing well for him for a while. USC was kind of the childhood favorite school for him, but USC hadn't offered yet. Actually went to the game over the weekend and saw ASU beat USC. Really liked Coach Herm a lot. Uh, Herm Edwards and his dad have a relationship. Um, Antonio Pierce, who's doing a phenomenal job recruiting, sure. was his lead recruiter. and He just said he just felt like home. He's visited once before. He's going to go up again in a couple of weeks. But as you know, Chad is just a junior. But I want to go ahead and lock this in now. And uh, the gifted receiver from Venice High School is going to be a Sun Devil. So he's pretty fired up, Keith. Yeah, I like it. Chad Johnson Jr., he's a kid that can make plays on football. Terrific hand-eye coordination, terrific ball skills. He's a good athlete. Played against his pops when I was in junior college. He's a great football player as well. As everybody knows Chad Ochocinco. But Johnson Jr., going down to the desert. And I think Joey Ellen and the quarterbacks there at Arizona State, they are going to benefit from having such a natural playmaker with good speed that competes at a high level out there playing for the Sun Devils. So congratulations to the Johnson family and Johnson Jr. Going to be a Sun Devil. Yeah, good hands, natural route runner. Doesn't quite have the feet or the, you know, the burst that his pops had. He needs to kind of work on that. He's a bigger kid, a thicker kid than his dad. Yes. So he needs to kind of work on that. But you can tell he's just a body control hands guy. William Nemo, Keith, one of the top safeties out west, narrowed his choices to UCLA and Washington State, and he went ahead and decided to stay close to home and committed to the Bruins. Uh, pretty big pickup for them. We've kind of talked a lot about UCLA and their recruiting and just kind of how different and unique, and they're not really going after a lot of the top, top, top kids. Nemo's a guy that had at their camp. They loved him there. They offered him after their camp. They recruited him pretty aggressively, and they got big Mike Martinez, um, who's already coming in from modern day. 
a couple of their monarchs, Chris Murray, Quentin Lake, who are both start, starting for them. So it's kind of funny. Back in the day, the, the joke was in recruiting circles, you know, modern day Spears kids away from UCLA because of Coach Rollins a hardcore Trojan. But then they got a couple on the roster, including two coming in this year, Big Mike. Yeah. And now William Nemo, who's hurt right now. He's got a little meniscus issue. Hopefully he'll be back by around the semifinals if Marty is, can make it that far. I don't want to say he's lucky, but if they can make it that far, um, he hurt that Nabosco game. But Nemo, pretty intriguing kid, Keith, with the, the cover skills, the size, um, good athlete, safety frame, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of upside there, I see. Yeah, you know... If you look at Nemo, his upside is bigger than a lot of guys on that modern-day team. I'll tell you why. You know, every summer I get a chance to talk with Nick Saban when I go down to the University of Alabama, and the first word he mentions when he when we talk recruiting, GB, is length. Length. And I've always been a big proponent of length, probably because I don't have a ton of length and wish I had some more. I'd probably still be playing. But Nemo is a kid with extremely, extremely long arms. Why is that important? Well, the ability to to deflect balls when they're thrown in your area, the ability to get, the ability to get your hands on footballs, also in the run game. Why are long arms important? It, the ability to wrap up, really shoot your uppercuts, cause fumbles, get guys to the ground. That length plays dividends down the road, especially in the Pac-12 where offenses really like to get the ball out fast and get guys in space. William Nemo, a good athlete with tremendous length, terrific upside, great gift for the Bruins, GB. And he's probably the fastest guy in that Marty secondary. You know, you got a, a loaded group with Darion and Elias Ricks, Jeremiah Cradell, but uh, Nemo's a 4-5 guy in that group. And you mentioned the, the long arms and the length. He actually plays, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of corner in, in certain situations for uh, modern day. So, um, talk about the long arms and being able to jam a receiver. I like Nemo quite a bit as well. Uh, Darian Chase from Camus, Washington, Keith. He narrowed his choices down to Nebraska and Boise State. He went ahead and committed to Nebraska. Interesting, early on, we thought this was going to be an Oregon-Washington battle. Uh, Washington never really pursued him. They kind of sealed up on secondary. You can't really blame them. The guys they took uh, were tremendous with you know Cameron Williams and, and Cam Fabi Kalanen. Um, and I'm forgetting another safety, but, you know, Washington's doing really good at the safety position. And then Oregon also kind of, you know, was, was filling up. Uh, still pursued Darian, but Nebraska went all in, and he's going to be a Cornhusker. So, again, a guy can play on both sides of the ball. I know my guy, B. Huff, likes him in the secondary as a, kind of a nickel, you know, a little safety, uh, situational corner. But Darian Chase going to Nebraska, playing for Scott Frost. And the last one, Keith, is Melquan Stovall. Uh, the Sarah receiver who played and put up huge numbers the last few years at Paraclete went over to Sarah this offseason and has been one of the most consistent players all season long. But really like really liked Nevada. Took a visit there a few weeks ago and went ahead and committed. Just felt, you know, a good connection with E. Scott and, and liked the direction the program's going in. On his visit, they lost a, a heartbreaker to Boise State, but he saw a team that was pretty good and uh, feels like, you know, I can go here and play early. It's not always about the biggest name school, but the best fit. So, Melquan Stovall is going to be going to Nevada. So, nope. great yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, really quickly, getting back to the Washington deal, is the young kid out of San Diego, is that the, the safety you were talking about? GB? The young kid out of, out of San, San Diego. Diego. You said you were missing a safety that Washington was bringing in. Is it, is it uh, 
the kid out of San Diego, the six four kid, six three kid. Um, oh yes, yes, absolutely, Asa Turner. Asa Turner. I'm sorry, I was yep. forgetting his name at the at the moment, but Asa Turner. Okay, so I thought that's who you were talking about. So Asa Turner. I mean, yeah, yeah, big time ball players over there, in Washington. They're loading up on top notch recruits. They're going to be a problem for years to come, no doubt. Love what. Nevada's doing GB want to touch on that really quickly got a chance to watch them at length that this seems to be the theme of the show today is length but at length got a chance to watch Nevada Wolfpack and let me tell you I was impressed I was impressed uh, with their discipline with their organization um, just in terms of they didn't they weren't a team getting a bunch of penalties not a, but you know, with a bunch of guys on the field at one time weren't supposed to be. They weren't having problems with substitution patterns. They were efficient. Uh, they did things right. I love the way they play offense. Toa Tawa is an absolute stud in the backfield. The former Lompoc, you know, All American running back. He's there playing as a freshman. His older brother Vi Tawa is the running backs coach. He's having a terrific year, but don't forget about uh, kids like Romeo Dowds. He's there and playing big-time ball, GB. Not sure if you knew that or not, but Romeo Dowds has contributed a ton on the outside for Nevada, and they're having a really good season. Love the direction of the program. Jay Norvell, E. Scott, they have a really good thing going, and you know, maybe not this year they'll challenge for the Mountain West title, but I think next year uh, they will be right in the thick of it for the Mountain West title. And congratulations to those guys, and good luck to them moving forward. I really, really like what Nevada is doing. They are a program on the rise. They are recruiting the inner cities really hard. They are getting kids with five-star heart, maybe not five-star talent, but five-star heart. Guys like Dobbs, uh, guys like Melquan Stovall, and those guys – make huge differences in programs as they continue to mature and matriculate uh, through college-level programs and become big-time football players. So congratulations to the Nevada Wolfpack. Really, really love what they're doing, GB. No, that's good. I, I did not know Romeo Dobbs is killing it already, but I yeah. love that. That's a guy who, you know, James Finley was, was really pushing hard for a couple of years. Yeah. Saying, you know, this is my guy. This guy is so much better than guys ranked ahead of him. So I had no clue he was already balling. Yes. That's awesome. Hey, so a, quick, uh, a few quick unofficial visitors and, and official visitors over the weekend. Cal had a huge win over the Washington Huskies. And uh, Isaiah Foskey, who's looking at both those two schools with in attendance on an unofficial trip along with a couple of studs from Folsom, Elijah Badger and Daniel Nagata. Those are both 2020 kids. Uh, Daniel Nagata, younger brother of Big Joe, and Elijah Badger, a uh, pretty gifted receiver. So Cal uh, had a big win over some pretty important visitors. Uh, C.B. Nomura, a guy that we talked about a lot in the show, Keith. Uh, Centennial High School, their sure. top linebacker, sure. leading tackler. He took an official visit to Iowa State. Um, and I haven't talked to him yet. Um, but I'm pretty sure he had a really good time there, and I think Iowa State, going into that trip, had a had a really good shot there. They're one of the schools that's kind of on him the hardest. Um, Arizona hosted a handful of players from St. John Bosco unofficially. Uh, big DJ Willie Underlay was probably the headliner. Pops piled a bunch of kids in the van and and road tripped it out there. As many know, his uh, DJ's uncle Ione is the D line coach at Arizona, so. Talk about upset city. Arizona didn't just beat Oregon. They blew them out of oh, the water. My so, goodness. 
the Pac-12 was a, just a, a mess last week, Keith. Yeah. You know, ASU over USC. Sure. Not a huge upset there, but Cal over Washington was definitely a huge upset. And then Arizona uh, over Oregon was a huge upset, especially the margin of victory. So it was crazy. But Keith Savage was out there. Uh, Chris Hudson was out there. Um, I believe Tyus Poyer was out there. So uh, a handful of Bosco kids made that trip. Sam Adams, the 2020 running back, who's seen his stock really blow up out of Eastside Catholic. He took an unofficial trip to UCLA and uh, saw them play against Utah. That did not go well for the Bruins. Utah's a really good team right Very now. Good. Dude, God, both sides of the ball, but they just got a physicality to them that no one else has in the conference. They got a bunch of grown men, it seems like. Like a yes. 22-year-old is playing against someone's watching some of those BYU teams from 20 years ago. It's grown men playing against yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, Aiden Hector, uh, a gifted safety from corner safety from Eastside Catholic. He took an unofficial trip to Stanford. Uh, and again, I don't want to call it an upset, but they lost to Washington State. So Washington State's really good. Probably the second best team behind Utah. But only the why it might have been a slight upset was because it was at Stanford. Yes. Um, of course, the, kind of the joke is that Stanford home crowd, uh, you know, the only reason why it's a factor is because it kind of can put the opposing team to sleep as opposed to you go to another game and that crowd gets you, gets you going. The Stanford crowd is, is kind of so, how can I say it, library-ish that mm. it has a uh, effect that's not quite like most home crowds. It just yeah. kind of takes the life right out of you. Um, but anyways, Aiden Hector, dad played at USC. I believe they are probably the team to beat, but Washington was his most recent offer. And I know he was pretty jacked on that Washington offer. Then Stanford has also offered Mr. Aiden Hector. So those Eastside Catholic 2020 kids, DJ Rogers, uh, Sam Adams, and Aiden Hector are all really, really good football players. So that's about it as far as this, uh, this past weekend. And then just real quick on this weekend, as they always seem to do when they have a home game, the Oregon Ducks will be hosting some, some pretty talented kids on official visits, Keith. Uh, Kyle Ford, Stefan Wright, and Siaki Ika will all be in for officials, and I'm sure there'll probably be a couple more. But I had a chance to talk to Stefan Wright last night from Cathedral. Uh, he loved ASU. He was at the Coliseum, likes USC as well, but ASU was making a great, great push. Oregon is involved. He's going to trip to Washington in November and then decide in, uh, decide in November. I also spoke to Kyle Ford. He's actually going to do his uh, ACL surgery this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. Keith. So he wanted to get this trip in, and he actually tore that thing back in September. So right. I guess the swelling was such that he couldn't do the surgery right away, and they wanted to wait until after he could take a trip, and this, this weekend worked out well. So he's going to visit Oregon Friday, Saturday, home on Sunday, surgery on Monday. So said he's doing good, said the knee's getting better, he's getting stronger, he's working hard, doing all he can you know, with the upper body lifts and the bands and all that good stuff. Uh, he's already been to Colorado officially, already been to Washington officially, and he said his last two trips will probably go to USC and Michigan, and he is going to announce January 5th at the All-American Game in San Antonio. So, you know, right now, uh, Kyle's probably as tough a read for me as, as I can see. I've, I've never saw him as a, as a USC guy. I know that was the crystal ball favorite. But I, I, and I knew USC, he likes him quite a bit, but I never saw him as a lock. In fact, right now, I, I'm getting kind of a Washington vibe out of Kyle. He really loved that trip. He loves the offense, loves the coaching staff, likes the academics. I mean, that trip was eye-opening for him. So if signing day was today, I might lean a little bit towards the Huskies, but it's still really early. Obviously, he's got USC and Michigan to go, but 
Kyle Ford, kind of fascinated to see where he's going to end up. Out of all the players out west, he's probably the one guy that's hardest for me to, to make a call on, Keith. Yeah, if I was Crystal Ball, and I definitely Crystal Ball him to Washington. I think with the former Servite Friars that are there, who who Kyle is very very close with. I'm talking about guys like Julius Irvin. Um, they already have a family waiting on him, and so I think that's probably going to be the top pick in terms of California and who he might sign with. Got a couple questions for you, GB, and some recruiting nuggets you just talked about. University of Arizona, are they a sleeper player for DJ Uwe Analele? Um, I, I don't think so right now. Uh, obviously, there's a family connection. I, I think DJ probably wants to go somewhere. Uh, I don't want to use the word high profile. That's insulting. But I think right now, Clemson, Oregon are, are pretty clearly out in front. And behind those two schools is probably going to be a school like Auburn, where he'll visit this weekend. I probably should have mentioned that. He's going to Auburn this weekend. Uh, Alabama's making a push for him. I, I think all those schools are probably ahead. And then I would probably even say maybe pro baseball. I'd say all those options are probably ahead of Arizona right now. I got you. You've, you've spoken a lot and highly of Aiden Hector. I've yet to see this kid play. How good is he? Greg, give me a comparison. How good is this kid? And, and what is his upside? You would love him, Keith, because he's a guy who doesn't, you know, flash the, the, the great measurables. He's a football player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's tough. He plays with a little bit of an edge. Um, safety corner. He, he'll scratch and claw. You know, he, he reminds me of an the name is escaping me. I'm having a having a rough day. I haven't had my energy drink yet. I'm not even going to name the energy drink, but um, who's the really good safety key to play at Utah? Now with Eric Weddle. He's got some Eric, Eric Weddle, Weddle in him. Yeah. And that you could, I, I covered Eric Weddle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an IE kid, and he was just a really good football player, but there's no way anybody could have looked at this guy and said, oh, he's going to be a future pro bowler and one of the best safeties in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. You never would have said that because he just kind of, he kind of has an unassumingness to him. You know, again, Hector, dad played, so he's got that sixth sense, extremely instinctive, um, really good in coverage, yeah. really tough. When they lost to Oaks Christian in the Honor Bowl, him and probably DJ Rogers were the two guys for Eastside who, who kind of showed up and played really well and, and weren't overwhelmed by Oaks Christian's, you know, Oaks Christianness. Sure. The, the, both those two guys played really well, and, you know, Aiden had some, you know, downfield covering. You know, Bryce Farrell, stride for stride, and he club make a big hit on, on Zach, fearless kid. And, I mean, he's a guy who, he will outperform guys that would be ranked ahead of him just because you look at him, doesn't have all the, the measurables, so his rake is going to get touched a little, hurt a little bit. But as a pure football player in college, he will outperform guys ranked higher than him. I, you would, you'd love this guy if you saw his film. Okay, sounds good. Now, I'm definitely going to take a look at him. Kind of as we move a little bit closer towards the 2019 calendar, uh, but just heard a lot about him. Heard you mention him a few more than a few times, and uh, just kind of wanted to get some insight. But thank you, GB, for all your recruiting news and nuggets. We appreciate you. It's time to move along here, Greg Biggins. We got to get to our top performers. With that, I've got to shut down my periscope. So I'll get that done now, and we're off. So we'll talk a little bit about our top performers. Don't have a lot. Got a small list. You know, week 11, last week of the regular season out here um, in California. Don't have a ton, but um, I'm going to leave Mr. Diggs for UGB. I know he was your player of the week on Fox Sports. Well, I'm going to talk about Luca DeMont, the Venice quarterback. This is Chad Johnson Jr.'s quarterback. Five touchdowns throwing, another run, and six total touchdowns for the 2020 quarterback. Highly recruited. 
Uh, looking to have looking to have a big senior year next year, but a very good football player has been starting since he was a freshman. How about wide receiver Jermaine Burton out of Calabasas, the Georgia transfer, two receiving touchdowns and a kickoff return. Love Jermaine. He's a big-time player. He's about as fluid as an athlete playing wide out as you're going to find in the country. He's just smooth and is a smooth operator. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Uh, I think, yeah, that's 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 all I got in SoCal, GB. I got those two, and that's who I'm rocking with. So, how about Donnie Fitzgerald from Coachella Valley? Did you hear about this game, Keith? It was wild. Coachella Valley versus Banny, not the Banny from LA, but yeah, the Banny from sure. the Palm Desert area. From Banny. From Banny. Yeah. Uh, Coachella Valley won seventy-three to fifty-six. The the player that you know of that we all know of from Benning, Teron Madison, going yes. to Oregon State to play running back. So he plays quarterback. But uh, he threw for 317 and four touchdowns and rushed for 286 and two touchdowns, Keith. And they still lost. 73 to 56 to Coachella, Coachella Valley because Donnie Fitzgerald, uh, he had 512 all-purpose yards and eight touchdowns. He threw for six and rushed for two. So... That game was like a basketball game. In fact, seventy-three to fifty-six is a pretty decent high-scoring game at the high school basketball game at the high school level. So, Teron Madison and Donnie Fitzgerald. You mentioned Latrell, Latrell Diggs, Grace Brethren, uh, thirty-eight carries for three, five, seven, and four touchdowns. They had a big win over an undefeated nine-zero Camarillo team. Grace Brethren's got a really good high school team. They beat Westlake and beat them pretty convincingly just a few weeks ago. So, uh, they're pretty good. Another big game for Jaden Daniels, 24 of 31 for 405 and five touchdowns, Keith. And the reason why those five touchdowns are big because he has now tied Hank Bachmeyer uh, for the record um, for that area. I'm not sure what we call that area, but he, he tied it, and we thought he would need a couple of playoff games, but he went ahead and, and tied. And then Cajon is going to make a deep run, so look for Jaden to, to really put some distance between him and Hank when it comes to uh, the little Inland Empire all-time list. Um, and then Amari Gary, one of the games of the week, Keith. I don't know if you heard about this game, but Alamany lost a, a heartbreaker to Bishop Amont. But Amari Gary for Alamany had a really good game, rushed for 189 yards, and then one touchdown. And then my last SoCal kid is uh, Zach Charbonnet in a you know really weird game. Uh, you predicted to be a low-scoring game. It was even more low-scoring low than, than you predicted. Yeah. Uh, but Charbonnet still rushed for 167 on 27 carries, but they kept him out of the end zone. Um, they, meaning Westlake, kept him out of the end zone. But 167 tough yards for Zach and that Oaks Christian 13-7 to win over Westlake. And that's all I got for SoCal. Well, I got for California, actually. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's move to NorCal really quick. Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American World Bowl Commit Giles Jackson The athlete from Freedom High School Seven catches 256 yards And three touchdowns Shout out to Giles Love that kid Demarcus Ross Out of Capital Christian He's a running back He ran for 345 yards And three touchdowns That's all I got from NorCal Take it to San Diego really fast St. Augustine Junior receiver You're going to like this kid GB Samuel Scaife III 10 catches, 182 yards, and five touchdowns as they beat their as they beat their arch rival, which is Mission Hills. Stepping up in big game versus elite competition plies. Elite competition plies. Samuel Scaife out of St. Augustine. Again, he went 10 for 182 and five tubs, GB. And that's all I got. 
That's not bad at all. I got one guy I want to shout out from Nevada. Um, good kid, good family, but Cade McNamara, the Michigan commit. I yes. didn't, didn't even mean to do this, but I'm wearing a Michigan shirt right now. I didn't mean to coordinate with, with Mr. Cade McNamara, but uh, he broke a record key for most touchdowns in a career for the state of Nevada uh, with 139. He was 19 of 22, 305, and 7 touchdowns. So those 139 career touchdowns for Cade McNamara breaks a state record and uh, that's pretty cool. Good kid, like I said, good family. And uh, mom and pop, I saw them quite a bit at the opening finals in, in Dallas. Good people, and Cade's going to Michigan. And uh, so congrats to Cade on a state record. You can never take that away from him. That'll be good. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for me as well for this week's Stat Stars of the Week. Quick question. D- is Did he break Tate Martell's record? You know, I didn't even read the article. I just okay. saw the headline and said, quote, the state record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you figure that's probably Tate Martell's record. You, you I figure? Assume. I assume. But, you know, Tate, he set out so many second halves, Keith, that I could see his numbers not being too gaudy. You know, earlier this point. year, yeah, earlier this year, uh, Michael Bowens actually broke the Gorman record for most, touch, uh, most yards in a game with like 350-something. So, Tate never put up, and neither did Dorian. They never put up super, super gaudy numbers because they only played a half of football. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm curious who, who whose record he did, but I have to probably look that up after the show's over. I'm curious now. Yeah. Maybe Randall Cunningham Jr. I don't know. He was a, he was a pretty I, good quarterback at Gorman, wasn't he? Yeah. No. He, he, he was okay? He, he was just okay. He okay. was just okay. Yeah, he, he got there. I actually saw him play. He, he got there and... Um, they lost the year that I saw them play to it was a team from Arizona who just physically just punched them in the mouth. Yeah. And, yeah, Randall Jr. really started. He's more of an athlete than a quarterback. And then, uh, and then after he left is when, uh, is when Tate Martell took over, and that's when they kind of really run this nice run they're on right now. Hmm. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay, well, could play a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> NFL MVP absolutely not could play. Too shabby. Yeah, not too shabby at all. Lawrence Taylor, shout out to Lawrence Taylor on Monday Night Football. But anyway, GB, it's time to move on, my man. We have to get to some game caps. Before we do that, we have a sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our Sleep of the Week this week, my man Greg Beggins has a guy. GB, take it away. Yeah, so Ranch Cucamonga, uh, again, don't know, to, you know, I guess I can call it upset, Keith. They took down Upland, who was playing minus Justin Flo, but uh, it, it was still a, a really impressive game, 34-20. to 20. And Quentin Moten was the guy everyone came away talking about. And, you know, numbers were good. 
12 carries, 122 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. But just a dynamic athlete, really explosive kid. Just a 2020 kid, uh, 5'10", 160. Kind of look at the body, look at the frame, look at the athleticism. You see a, a potential, you know, you know, maybe a slot receiver, maybe a quarter. Don't know if he's an every down running back with that frame, but he's a guy you can probably, you know, move around a la, you know, maybe a Casimir Allen type. Not a 10 three guy like Casimir Allen, who is. But just a guy you can move around and play all over the all over the field. But just uh, a, a guy who, in this particular game, Keith, he was the most athletic, most dynamic player on the field in a field that had you know double digit next level players. So hats off to Ranjikukamunga, the Cougars, with their big win over Upland, and hats off to Quentin Moten for being the star of star star of stars, and also this week's sleeper of the week. Quentin Moten. Doing Remember it big, ain't no Remember doubt. Twenty twenty. Let me tell you, this twenty twenty class. As I've begun to break it down in terms of rankings and and such, this twenty twenty class is loaded, absolutely freaking loaded out here in Southern California. Yeah, I'm going to take some people off, but it's definitely better than 2018. man. It's 2020, bro. Yeah, there's dudes in 2020. Yeah. I mean, there's there's high-level dudes. And I'm not talking dudes, you know, eating against, you know, one lost team, two lost team, three lost team. I'm not talking about taking their lunch money, Plies. I'm talking about versus elite competition, Plies. 2020 out here is on fire. Ain't no doubt yeah. about it. Greg Biggins. Time to get back into some game recaps, my okay. man. I, I, I'm wondering how I perform. Normally, I perform at a high level versus elite competition because I'm a dog, GB. I'm a dog. You understand? Elite competition. Coach Keith performs at a high level. Ain't no doubt about it. Playoffs are coming. I will be on top of my game in terms of picks. What did we have this past week, Greg? What do you got for us? So we had uh, a couple of upsets that cost you a little bit. Um, start off with the game we kind of touched upon, Upland Ranch of Cucamonga. Um, I'm not going to give you the score because you got a little bit sore last week when I went ahead and said the score of a game. I don't remember what game that was. No, no, I didn't get sore. Come on, man. Come on. You got a little defensive really? on me, so I'm just going to keep it Keep Oh, it my God. Don't want to hurt feelings. But Ranch of Cucamonga, Keith, took down Upland. Again, got to say it, minus Justin Flo, but still, hey, right. you got to play with who you got. Yeah, but who knew that was going to happen? I didn't have that intel. Somebody pulled a fast one. <laughs> you know, but you're, you're, the, you're the GOAT. You're Keith Miller. This you is know, true. I thought you would have known, you know. No, they kept this under wraps. Was it was a game-time decision. Justin Flo. Care. How, do, how does anyone keep anything under the wraps from the, from the great Keith Miller, though? I mean, you, you know before Justin Flew knows if he's going to play or not. That's, that's what I thought. Well, I don't know who Justin Flew is, but I know Justin Flo didn't play. And they kept it a secret. Coach Keith didn't know, but that's okay. Those things happen. There's always an exception to the rule. What exceptions to the rules? Rule score, GB. Rancho Cucamonga took them down thirty-four to twenty, mm. and uh, it was a nice little one-two punch. Quentin Moten, Mark Perry, uh, Mark Perry's a Colorado commit. He had a hundred yards and a touchdown. Moten ran for a couple. Uh, just a really complete effort. They led from start to finish in this one. You know, did a nice job. You know, Cameron Davis got his. He had one hundred and fifteen yards. Tosh Davis, the other Davis, no relation. He had a punt return for a touchdown. The two Washington commits. 
they still did some work, but the reality was, you know, Ranta Cucamonga outplayed them. And if you have been watching Upland at all for the last four or five weeks, this probably wasn't too big enough. They've been struggling, Keith, to win a lot of games against competition that I would not describe as elite. Yeah. You know, they got really, really bounced badly from Mission by, by Mission Viejo earlier in the year where they were shut out. And I don't know if they ever fully recovered from that. They were winning games in league play, but they're all, you know, 10-point win, a 7-point win, you know, double-digit penalties, just never looked in sync. Rancho, who started off the year 0-3, 0-4, everyone's lamenting the fact that, you know, all their guys transferred. You know, what happened to this guy? What happened to that guy? How are they going to survive this? Well, they rallied together. They ended up going 5-0 and in league play, and they ended up winning the, winning the league championship. So, nice job by Rancho to kind of pull together after that slow start. 5-0, and a big win over Upland, a dominant win over Upland, Keith. So, hats off to the Rancho Cucamonga Cougars. Yeah, hats off. I mean, it's a rivalry game, right? In, in rivalry games, you can throw out the records. You can throw out the history. You know, guys got to come to play. Guys got to answer the bell. And Rancho Cucamonga bounces back from last year's defeat, if I remember correctly, versus Upland. And they get a W versus the Upland team. Like you said, Greg, they have struggled versus good competition. Saw them early in the year. Thought they were one-dimensional offense. Thought they had some problems in pass coverage. And those things have definitely come back to haunt them. Then you you take an Upland team without Justin Flo, who now is, uh, you know... uh, Handicap versus a good running game, and it sounds like Rancho Cucamonga took advantage. So, shout out Rancho. They got the W. Upland licking their wounds, walking and limping, not even walking, limping into the playoffs, GB. They are going to, I'm just, because I know I have the, uh, do I have it? I do not have the bracket pulled up. I was going to say who Upland opens up with, but uh, it's definitely a team. Um, who's going to be a much tougher a much tougher team than they would have played had they uh, had they not lost to Rancho. Um, speaking of Rancho, uh, Rancho Verde had a big, big, big win over Heritage, seventeen to ten. You had Heritage in this game, Keith. Not going to name the score. You had a, as a little bit of a high scoring game. I think we all thought it'd be a, a high scoring. Yeah, game. Kind sure. Of a contrast in styles. Heritage they averaged over. 300 yards on the ground. Rancho averages over 300 yards in the air, but it was a 17-10 to 10 game, and Rancho did all they could to lose it. Uh, A.J. Duffy, who's the son of Pete Duffy, freshman quarterback, he threw four interceptions. They lost, this is a crazy stat, they lost their first fumble of the season. They hadn't lost a fumble all year. They had five turnovers. And they still found a way to get it done. A.J. hit Jackson Turner, the Arizona commit, late in that game. 18-yard touchdown. Uh, huge win over a, just a gritty, gutty heritage team that just doesn't give up much. Ika Tuatala is kind of their thunder and lightning uh, for heritage. He, run, he ran for 158, and they battled. But in the end, it was Rancho pulling off the 10-0, the 3-0, or excuse me, the 10-0, 4-0 in league. Ivy League Championship. They got the number one seed in Division Two. Um, you know, Pete Duffy is a close friend of mine, but honestly, I'm not sure if they are necessarily the top team in Division Two. Um, when you look at, you know, Calabasas and Norco and um, some of those other, te- even Los Alamitos, Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks. Those are all some really tough teams. But hey, Rancho went ten and zero. 
and got the got the job done, winning the league and beat Heritage. So they will be the, the number one seed in a really brutal, brutally tough division one or division two. But uh, hats off to Pete. He said, you know what? Beginning of the year, if he told him this was going to happen, he wouldn't have believed it. He said we're at least a couple years away. Got it done, Keith. They got it done. They did get it done, and you know what? I'm impressed. I'm impressed. There's a stat, Greg. Four or more turnovers, that equates to a 95% chance of losing the football game. That's a stat. That's an actual fact. Okay. Um, plus, plus four or, or four turnovers? What's the other team turnovers? Oh, okay, okay. Like plus four? Yeah, no. If you turn the ball over four, if your team turns the ball over four times or more, there's uh-huh. a 95% chance your team will lose that game. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a high probability. So to win the game minus the four turnovers, yeah. that's, that's pretty impressive to say the lead. You talk about resolve. You talk about resiliency. You talk about mental toughness, staying the course, bouncing back versus adversity. Uh, congratulations to Rancho Verde and Coach Duffy. I really like Coach Duffy's coach. He's been a really good coach for a long time. Sounds like his son struggled. The quarterback struggled, and that's okay. His struggles make you stronger. Uh, and we know Heritage is a really good football team. Impressed with Rancho Verde's defense. That Heritage team can run the pill on anybody, Greg. Any, they're anybody. known. Yeah, they're known for ripping off big runs. You know, 300-plus yards a game on the ground. They kind of remind you of Air Force on the college football level. They're going to get their yardage on the ground. And I just watched Air Force Boise. Boise's got a really good defense led by one of my former players, Jabril Frazier. And, you know, Boise did a good job defending them. But Air Force, they're going to get their four yards. And they're going to keep moving. And that's heritage. They're going to get their 4-4-3-4-3 and then bust a 50 Rancho Verde keeping them in check, not stopping them, but containing them to only 10 points. And they get the W in a very, sounds like very, very tough, hard fought game. And, I, you know, I'd be anxious to watch those two teams play again. No, no doubt about that. Yes, I agree. Um, close game, weird game. Westlake, Oaks Christian. Oaks Christian wins this one, Keith, uh, 13 to 7. And I don't know if you watched any of this one. It was uh, it was one of the prep zone games, but Jack Lenthal, who we had as our sleep of the week two weeks ago, pick six from 14 yards out with just under two minutes to go. Yes. He was so last man, week's, last week's game, sleeper of the week, but yes. Like... Talk about a weird way to end it. And this was a this was a slugfest all the way. Right. You know, Gabe Floyd had a scoop and score for Westlake's lone touchdown. Uh, Oaks Christian wasn't able to do much at all. Josh Calvert uh, had a late touchdown pass. They missed, uh, hit the extra point, so it's seven to seven. Westlake gets the ball with a couple minutes to go, and they do you know try to do a, a little little screen pass that floated in the air for what looked like about three hours. And Jack Lenthal, just that guy we talked about last week, right place, right time, right? Some guys just have the ability to be in the right place, right time. And yeah. it just goes beyond being, you know, a good football player. Just instinctively, just, just you know, kid obviously knows how to play the game. Catches it, 14 yards to pay dirt, yeah. game over. Westlake still had some time left, but couldn't move the ball. So everyone is beautiful. But, man, watching Oaks, I'll be honest, 
a little bit worried about them, Keith. Yeah. Going into, going into D1, Kayvon played really well. They got individual dudes. They really do. Their individual talent is really good. There, there is no running back in D1 better than Zach Charbonnet. Kayvon, Josh Calvert, Lenthal, Bryce Farrell when they use him. I mean, they got great individual talent, but just not really blown away by the win. Westlake's a solid, not a great team. Um, I, you know, Westlake was blown out by Grace Brethren about four weeks ago. So Westlake is good, but we're not talking about, you know, the L.A. Rams who are 8-0 and, you know, the best team in the NFL right now. We're not talking about those guys. We're talking about, you know, the Westlake Warriors. So, Keith, I'm sure we'll get into Division One in the playoff later on in the show or even on the Friday show. But Oaks, I tell you what, man. They got they got Shamanad in week one. They they should beat Shamanad. But then in, in week two, they got either Jay Sarah or a Long Beach Polly. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but they need to step it up, Keith. They gotta step it up on both sides, especially offensively. You know, defensively they're they're really good, Greg. Um, they are. They're really good defensively. They can stop the run. Um, they have some underrated and under kind of valued defensive backs. Um, yeah. is is a, is a beast on his side. Lenthal, he anchors the other side. I really like what they have with Franco, I believe his name is, up the middle with his quickness off the ball. Calvert is a very good linebacker. Um, they got another kid. His name is slipping right now, but he wears number five, I believe. He's about 6'2 and about 215 pounds. Another linebacker that I really like. They have a really good defense. All right, They, they run to the football. They get pressure. Uh, they force bad throws. They really speed up quarterbacks. They do a nice job. Offensively, that offensive line doesn't seem to be in unison all the time. Guys aren't coming off their combo blocks at the appropriate time, getting to the linebacker. Charbonnet trying having to make too many guys miss at the line of scrimmage, if you ask me. They gotta tighten up that offense as they move forward here going into the playoffs. They have playmakers. Uh, number 25, he's a receiver on the outside. I don't have his name in front of me, but he's a good football player. Bryce Farrell. Excellent football player. He can run every route. He's got the deep speed to stretch the defense. They really use Calvert. Um, in a dynamic way, they use him a lot on you know quarterback draws, quarterback sweeps. They get the ball out early uh, on out deep out routes. They really try to level the defense on a flood game. Charbonnet, like you said, probably the best back on the West Coast. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame All American for a reason. Get his big time. So they, like you said, the individual talent is there. The offense just isn't clicking right now. Uh, it took them the first half against Chaminade. In the first game of the season, GB, and then the second half they came, uh, they came on, you know, kind of in a flurry. But the first half they really struggled. So, uh, you know, like you said, looking forward, that Blake Anzalato's led defense, they're going to be looking to hunt Charmaine down. They're going to try to make Josh Calvert beat them. He's got to be up to the task. That offensive line's got to do a better job of sticking and staying on blocks and finishing to the ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously Blake will always come to play, but I, I think they get past Shamanad. But shoot, Keith, you know if they have to play Jay Sarah in, uh, in the second round, yeah. I mean, again, not to get ahead of ourselves. That's, that's a tough matchup. Yeah, it's a tough matchup. Like, I think Jay Sarah is, is going to be a tough matchup for Oak. Yeah, and we got two games to go. Okay. Uh, we got Alameda face Vermont, which is a wild finish, and then we got Shamanad and Notre Dame of Sherman Oak. So a lot of Mission League football today. But hey, similar to the uh, to the Westlake ending. Um, Bishop Vermont end up 
prevailing 24 to 19 a much closer game than I think a lot of people uh, a lot of people thought but here's a game Keith third and 19 Bishop Amont is facing a third and 19 Blake Archuleta hits Jaden Allen breaks a tackle breaks another tackle and he scampers for a 49 yard touchdown with 40, 54 seconds left Alamini was 54 seconds away and a third and 19 stop and obviously a fourth down stop pulling off what would have been the upset of the year in the Mission League. Amat makes the play, Blake Archuleta to Jaden Allen. Insane. And I watched again, I watched the replay and it was like the kid who was covering Allen falls on the ground. Allen, he said in the paper, he's getting ready to turn and go out of bounds to kill the clock. And he turned around, there's nobody there. So yeah. as Forrest Gump said, he just started running. And he ran all the way to the end zone wow. for a 49-yard touchdown with under a minute to go to shock Alamany 24-19. to So another game, another good game for, for Blake Archuleta. Um, you know, Alamany had just taken the lead. Miller Moss hit Jason Todd for a 49-yard touchdown. That was uh, Alamany's first lead of the game. They missed the PAT. It was a bad snap. Alamany played really, really tough. I talked to Casey Clawson earlier in the, in, in the day, and he had so much respect for Amon, just saying, you know, they got men, they got seniors, our best guys are freshmen, sophomores, you know, I hope we can be competitive, he wasn't feeling super confident, but they were a minute away from pulling off the shocker, um, so nice job to the Lancers, again, you gotta win, it's sometimes better to win ugly than, than, than lose pretty, but Amon, not actually going into the playoff on a high note, and I'm sure we'll touch upon it a little bit, but they got a really, really tough first round matchup with Mission Viejo, and in fact, I would say out of all the league winners, that is by far the toughest first-round game for anybody. Mishmejo got the number two seed out of that league for, by virtue of their loss to St. Clemente. And also, their seed was hurt a little bit. Talk about Mishmejo because they had the four forfeit losses. So here's Amat, 9-1, just won the Mission League, and they have to play in the first round the Mission Viejo Diablos. So Amat, like you said about Oaks, they need to tighten things up just a little bit. Yeah. You know, we talked about this over and over, Greg. And I just want to mention it really quickly. Bishop of Mind is not a transfer program. It's not a destination program, right? Guys are not, you know, yearning to get to La Puente and attend Bishop of Mind from their previous high school. It is a developmental program. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. It's a program where you come and you get developed over four years. Now, they may take their lumps, right? Because in the process of developing players, sometimes guys are young. Sometimes guys are not ready, but they still have to compete. This is a four-year senior-laden Bishop of my team led by Archuleta, who's been the quarterback there, it seems like, since the 80s. And they're doing a great job. They get the W. Now they move into the playoffs. <laughs> They've got a tough go at it. First round versus Mission Viejo. But I think it's going to be a better game. We'll talk about this on Friday, but I think it's going to be a better game than what the experts think. And who are the experts? I think that I'm talking about myself. But the Lancers really tip my cap. Great job putting your team together, developing your players over four years. Those guys committing to a goal, having a plan, and executing that plan. They are league champs. They have a lot to be proud of. And 
they get they get the ultimate respect from Coach Keith because they've done it the right way. So congratulations to Bishop Mont Lancers. And last but not least, and this is kind of expected, Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks with a big, big, big win over Chaminade. Chaminade still made the playoffs, as he already alluded to a couple times. They're going to take on Oaks in the first round, but not a typical year for Chaminade, finishing 500 for Notre Dame. Uh, one of their best years in a long time, but it was a 52-24 to 24 shellacking of the Shumnot Eagles. And like we said last week, a nice game for Christian Grubb, the track guy who's now playing football and excelling. He had 109 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Also had a 96-yard scuff return for a touchdown key. So nice job by, by Christian Grubb, Mikel Broussard, uh, a, a pretty big-time athlete. He had uh, 78 yards. Um, through the air, Cooper Meek, uh, three for 124 yards. Uh, you know, for Shamanad, gotta throw out love to Blake Anzalato. He had a 75 yard reception for a touchdown. Big Blake playing some tight end, also had his usual dominant performance playing some defense. How about 19 tackles and a sack in his last regular season game for Shamanad? Big Blake's gonna go to. Cal Berkeley, and he will see the field next year as a true freshman. I'm pretty confident in that. Ryan Stevens also had a nice game, threw for 273 and three touchdowns. Unfortunately, had four interceptions to go with those three touchdowns. Uh, so, a little bit uh, of a rough night in terms of protecting the football for Ryan Stevens. Chaminade, I don't know how much we're going to see for them in the playoffs, but. Notre Dame playing in Division Two, I think, is going to be a really, really tough out. They got some athlete, athletes on both sides of the ball, uh, and a good young quarterback in Cooper Meek, who's just a sophomore. Um, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Kevin Rooney, very, 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 very good football coach, and uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued and excited to see what kind of damage that Notre Dame can do in, in D two. Keith, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. It's going to be they, they have good individual talent they're playing good football they got a legendary uh, hopefully I can say that a legendary head coach who's been around for probably 30 years and coach Rooney and um, they go in they knock off Chaminade Cooper Meek they got some players man you, you better look out for Notre Dame in Division 2 I can tell you that right now they're going to be a player for it all in Division Two. Now, I know Division Two is good. They got they got a loaded group. Notre Dame will, will be right in the thick of it. You you can mark it down, GB. I just I just looked it up, Keith, as you were talking. They they open up. How fun is this going to be? They open up with La Habra. Oh, La Habra gets that home game by virtue of them winning a league title. So yeah, a pretty tough matchup, I would say, for for both teams. La Habra probably deserved better than to have to open up against Notre Dame. And uh, Oof, what a game at home. Yeah, I'm, that, at I might home, be at that uh, game. Especially if they got those those carne asada nachos <laughs> and that burrito. You know what? Shout out to La Habra. I know the uh, administration, the athletic director, uh, assistant principal, they listen to the show GB every week. Uh, shout out to you guys. If you can promise me that carne asada nacho and that burrito, I will be in attendance this Friday for the Notre Dame La Habra game. But that's going to be a good game, Greg. Those are two really good teams. Two young, productive quarterbacks, some athletes on the outside, Kalani Washington, Clark Phillips. We'll talk about that on Friday, but that's, that's a good matchup, really good matchup. Almost every first-round game in D2. In D2 oh, well, we know is, D2 is loaded. Is like, I mean, there's not 
a dog in this group. No. I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I don't see, like, okay, that's going to be a blowout. That'll be a blowout. Okay, this could be a good second-round game. No, every one is a good first-round game, except for, I can't even do an except for. I mean, they're all going to be good. It's how it should be. Hey, Greg, a quick question, and this yes, is sir. a little off-topic. Do you think we have too many divisions, playoff divisions? I mean, keep it real with me. <laughs> Probably so. I mean, what do we have? We have... 13... 13 divisions? That's a bit much. That is a lot of divisions, isn't it? It is. I, I say... But there's it, a lot of teams, though, Keith. There's a lot of teams. I mean, each of these divisions has 16 teams, so um, unless you started only having the, the league champ make the playoffs, it's going to be kind of hard, you know, just kind of geographically. I think also they don't want, you know, a team having to, having to travel two hours for, for some of these games, so it's partly size of the school, probably geographical, and there's just so many stinking teams in the Southern section right now that you kind of almost... If you want to have a 16-team bracket, you kind of have to make it, you know, really, really watered down in terms of how many dang divisions they have. Yeah. Hey, Keith, watch out for Division 11. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch out for the top most competitive division in the state of California. Yeah. Those Ocean View Seahawks, Keith. Oh, they made the playoffs. They got a four seed. They... Blew out Western, who was the number one seed in the whole entire CF bracket in loaded Division 11, 35 to 7. Interesting. And I don't think anybody wants to see those Seahawks, Keith. Those Ocean View Seahawks making a run at the Division 63 championship. It is Division 11. It is oh. going to be competitive. Division, Division 11. 100. I don't know who's in Division. I want to look at Division 13 real quick. Who the heck? The top seed is El Monte. You know anything about El Monte, Keith? Break them down. You, you're the I, I, I do. So I do. San Gabriel. I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about El Monte. Okay. They are located in the San Gabriel Valley. Uh, we played their 7U team. My Cerritos Hornets did. My 7U team played their 7U team in the beginning part of the year. All 11 of their kids cried on the first play because we knocked them all down like a bowling balls, okay, and bowling pins. And uh, we scored every play in a 20-play scrimmage. So that's 20 touchdowns. Then we played them the first game of the season, that good old San Gabriel Valley Punishers, right? And we beat them 50 to nothing, right? Now, it's the last game of the season before playoffs. We play the San Gabriel Valley Punishers again in San Gabriel Valley. Shout out to El Monte High School. Shout out to the SGV. Cerritos Hornets 7U are coming. And Austin Miller gets healthy in two weeks. You better look out. <laughs> you better look out. The dog is going to be back. And we're going to be barking. We're still undefeated, by the way, GB. We are still undefeated. Playing for the World Championship in Canton, Ohio in a few weeks. Or really Dang. next month. That's big time. Yeah. we. I got a pretty good team. Sounds like it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we're we're gonna work. We're gonna work. I'm create. I'm some dogs. Elite competition supplies. <laughs> Here we go. Take the dog out. No Take doubt about it. Out. Hey, it's time to bring this baby to a close. Greg Biggins, thanks a lot. We got done with this pretty quickly, my man. We'll see everybody on Friday. We got the Friday matchup show. We're talking playoffs. Playoffs. We need to play that clip, GB. Yes, we do. Playoffs. Come on, Andrew. How about, Andrew. Hey, how about Herm? How about Herm? Herm? Herm doing a good job over there, huh? Heck yeah, sure yeah. is. I, I applaud. Yeah. Absolutely. He's doing everything. Yeah. I, I was curious how he's going to do, yeah. so I have no problem saying, man, he's exceeded my expectations already. Yeah. Good good job, Herm. My guy, AP. Yeah. They got, they got a couple guys up over there. They got a couple guys that I really enjoy over there. 
Um, I mean, they, how good is Nikhil Harry? Oh my gosh, how good was that catch? He's he's good. I'm a little concerned about his about his top end speed though, Greg, at the next level. Yeah. I am. I mean, you know, when you're that when you got that size and, and I'm when you have that size, you don't necessarily have to create all the separation. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, quote unquote open because yeah. of your, you, because of your mass and your length and your athleticism. You're kind of always open. Um, just the, but the NFL is a different beast, though, and you've sure. got to be able to create, you know, a bit of separation. And his his speed is a little bit of a question mark for me. But when I saw him in high school for the first time, as soon as I cut on the film, I said. Oh my God! This is what a five star looks like, and I just thought he was an unbelievable animal playing a wide receiver specimen. position. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. specimen. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully, an Anquan Bolden type career, just a big body guy who just manages to get open somehow and catches everything. Right, right. No, he's he's. I mean, that catch he made against Biggie Marshall was, I mean, that that can go down as, you know, one of the top catches that you've ever seen. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, that was un- that went- that was Odell Beckham, but parallel to the ground. He was on the ground almost. Like yeah, that yeah that no, was that was, yeah, that was crazy. So, uh, very good football player. Very, you know, most likely a first-round pick. So, anyway, let's bring this baby to a close. This is Transparent Truth. Find us. We're on the platforms. Follow us on Twitter. Man, download and subscribe to the show. Tell a friend to download and subscribe to the show. We need you out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Transparent Truth. Nobody does it like us, the number one high school football podcast in America. Without further ado, let's wrap this baby up. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.